Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning and welcome to LWCC. For those watching us online and those who have decided to join us this morning, good morning to you all. Now, I'm going to ask a quick favor, and I know this is maybe a little bit, you know, controversial right now, but just for a quick moment, I'm going to ask you just to pull down your mask and smile at me. Uh, All right. If you're at home and you have a mask on, that's probably a little weird, but smile at me as well at home, because now I really want to say it is so nice to see all of your smiling faces. It's amazing. You know what? It's so nice, as a matter of fact, that I'm going to ask if Pastor Rick and Miss Deb would join me on the stage for a quick moment, and we're going to kind of do this like, this, this kind of like selfie type thing. It's not like with a selfie stick, but you guys are going to be in the picture, so what you can do in the background, we're going to face this way, and then my friend Joseph is going to take a picture of us. So what you guys are going to do in the background is you're just going to wave your hands, and you're going to show all the people who are online, love you guys, that they missed out because they should have been here, okay? Are you guys ready? All right. Yeah. Yeah, let's turn on the house lights. We want to make sure we, we can really rub it in their faces. No, no offense to anyone watching us online. We love you guys. That's fine. That's fine. Are you ready? Let's go. Make some noise. Put your hands up in the air. What you also just did, but you didn't realize, thank you guys so much, <laughs> what you also just did, but you didn't realize, is um, you just signed a, a disclaimer. If your picture's online, you just signed that disclaimer by cheering. That means you approve of it. I'm just joking. For those of you who I haven't had the, the honor and the pleasure of meeting before, my name is Sean Ogilvie, and I am one of the privileged pastors here. And today I'm excited. I'm excited for three reasons. Say three reasons. reasons. All right. Number one, today is Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And it's a day that we set aside some time to honor our pastor, Rick Thompson, and his wife, Deborah Thompson. Reason number two is today is the official day that we reopen the doors to our Fort Lauderdale campus. All right, all right, all right. And also... The third reason I'm really excited today is, is I don't have to preach to an empty room. I promise you, that is so much harder than you may think. <laughs> Pastor Rick can attest to that. You know, if I could throw out a fourth reason why, it's because we are starting a new series today, and it's called Haunted, Facing Our Fears. So a quick show of hands for anyone here who, who has some fears, even if it's just one fear, Throw your hand up there. If you're online, throw your hand up there as well, because I'm pretty sure that accounts for, for probably all of us. So this is what I want to do. I want to take a quick, very informal fear poll, okay? That's what we're going to do. So if you're online, go ahead and you can throw your answer in the, the chat or the comments. And if you're here, just simply put up your hand. So show of hands if you are afraid 
of heights. See a couple hands. Throw your hands up if you are afraid of flying. I see two hands up here from the same person. Show of hands if you are afraid of snakes. Not as many as I, as I expected. How about mice? Anyone afraid of mice? Huh? Spiders or insects? Yeah? So let me ask this one. I'm going to tell a little bit on myself here. Anyone, I'm not going to say afraid of, but highly don't like cockroaches. Yeah, my, see? It's not just me, Shelly. It's not just me. I saw a lot of hands going up. We don't like those guys. If I see that thing, I'm not going to bed until I find it and it's dead. I promise you that. Anyone who's afraid of dogs? No? Okay, good. Thunder and lightning. If my little ones were here, they'd be having their hands up for sure. How about this one? Anyone afraid of going to the dentist? <laughs> okay. How about anyone afraid of public speaking? Yeah? Now I know who to call on at the end of the service to come up and help me with the invitation. Anyone afraid of dying? Okay. Death through flying. And then here's one. Anyone afraid of people that they love dying? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of fears out there, and there's a lot of reasons to be fearful, and some of the reasons are very obvious physical concerns, right? But then aside from that, there's a lot of emotional or psychological effects that, that these fears can have. But regardless, they are all still legitimate fears. And as we kick off this new series and and we look to honor Pastor Rick and Miss Deb as well. Today's message is simply called Haunted, Facing Our Fears, the Pastor Edition. And I want to start with a key scripture, the key scripture that I'm using for today's message. And it's from 2 Corinthians. But I want to give you some background, like to make sure you understand what was going on and, and the nature of the context of where we got this from. So in Acts 18 we see that Paul visits Corinth, okay? And after receiving a word from the Lord in Corinth, he stays there for another year and a half. And he, at that point, he establishes the churches in Corinth. After that, he leaves. Once he leaves Corinth, he gets a report back from them saying, hey, not, everyone's not really getting along here. Things aren't going that well. So what does Paul do? Paul writes a letter to the church. That is what we know as 1 Corinthians, that letter that he wrote to the church, really to try and correct the problems that were going on there. The problem is, a lot of people in that church, they rejected the letter, and they rejected Paul's authority, and they were rebelling against him. So Paul visits them again, and then after he visits them, he follows up with a second letter, okay? At this point, most of the Corinthians, they've, they've aligned, they've kind of figured out that they got this thing wrong, they kind of make, you know, they, they realize they've been arrogant and they want to do better, which leads to the third letter that Paul sends. And in this letter, he's assuring them of the love he has for them and the commitment that he has towards them. And this third letter that Paul sends is what we know as 2 Corinthians, Okay. Don't want that to get too confusing. Um, but even after sending that second letter and visiting with them, there's still some people 
that were questioning his authority as an apostle, okay? And especially when compared to the other apostles that we read of in the Bible. So we're going to pick up in verse 23, and here we see the apostle Paul comparing what he has gone through just to try and justify his authority when compared to the other apostles, to the people that were challenging him in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 11.23 Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Say, Paul's had a tough life, amen? Yeah. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. So everyone's against him. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I'm not sure where else there is at that point in time that he didn't face any danger. And I face danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless, sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I'm sure many of us have heard that scripture before, or at least parts of that scripture, but I really want to put it into perspective so we can get our minds around it. If you listen to that list, I want you to really just quickly contrast that list that you just heard, some of those things, the, the stonings and being shipwrecked and, and being in prison and the lashes and the flogging and all these things. Contrast those with struggles that you have faced even just this year. Maybe it's not much of a contrast, so let's back it up a little bit. Contrast those with struggles that you've faced in the past decade. I would say it's probably still not a fair comparison. So perhaps contrast everything I just said with what you might have endured over your entire life. And if you really, really think about it and we're honest with ourselves, for most of us, when we do that comparison, we truly have nothing to complain about. Life could be so much harder. As bad as it seems like things are right now, things could be a lot worse. You hear me? We as a society, we complain when the AC's broken. We walked into this church this morning and it was a little warm. Like, whoa, something's wrong. We got to fix the AC. Because we have a hard time if we're a little bit uncomfortable. You know, we, we complain when the Wi-Fi's down. These are problems for us, right? When the Amazon Prime package gets there a day later than they said it was going to get there. What's the problem? I can't believe this. When there's too many commercials on TV or when a channel's only available in standard definition, right? These are problems for us, right? When we have to sit near a child on an airplane on our way to our Caribbean vacation, when the pizza delivery takes more than 30 minutes. When we have to reset the, micro, the microwave clock because the power went out for a little bit. 
when the barista spells our name wrong on our latte. Or God forbid, when the sink is full of dirty dishes, but we still haven't unpacked all the clean dishes out of the dishwasher. Can someone say first world problems? I'm saying. The Apostle Paul went through a lot. And it's really hard to imagine any one person going through just one of the things that he went through. But he experienced them all. And that's what makes his next statement so incredible to me. After telling about everything he's endured, everything that he's gone through, he goes on to say, verse 28, Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Let me make sure you got that. Paul is saying, I've gone through all this stuff, all these struggles, all these challenges. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten, all the stonings. And besides all that, in addition to all that, on top of all that, there's still one more thing. And what does Paul say is as hard to him as any of the other hardships that were in that list? The daily burden he feels the daily concern he has for the church. Paul is saying that the physical hardships are no more difficult than his constant, ongoing, everyday concern for the people in the churches. To reinforce this point, Paul adds a couple illustrations of his constant concern in verse 29. Verse 29, who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? Paul's saying, so he's, Paul's saying he's so concerned about what others are feeling that he bears their burdens as if they were his own burdens. Just think about that for a second. All the stuff that is going on at the church as he started He's carrying the weight and feeling the weight of all the burdens and challenges and, and hardships and problems going on with each individual person at those, in those churches. When people were weak or they're sick, he shares in their pain. When people were led into sin, he gets emotionally involved and emotionally tied up. Paul carries the heavy burden of all the sorrows, all the, all the failures, all the joys, and all the pain of each person in this church. I want to try to give you a glimpse of this with kind of a, 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 a picture here. Any, show, me a, show me your hands if you are a parent. Okay, if you're not a parent, it's cool. Just still do your best to follow along. So imagine this. Your child is born, right? You remember that day. Most, of, most parents will remember that day that their child was born. And let's take it back and just make sure it's your first child, Right? Some of us, because by the time we get to child number two, or three, or four, it's really not, I mean, you love them, but it's not always the same, right? But let's go back to your first child, if you can remember what that felt like, you know, even the car ride home. I remember when I was, when I, we had our first kid who was actually here with me today, um, we were leaving the hospital, and we strapped him in, and I, I had to, like, I don't think I've, like, tightened a seatbelt that, like, tight in my life, like, no, I'm... Not, not one single thing is going to be out of place. I'm going to tighten this thing. There's this abundance of caution. That's a common term we use nowadays, right? Because I had my new precious 
kid in the car with me. You know, there's times when that same kid, we're, we're checking to make sure every single night, we're checking to make sure, are they still breathing? Is everything okay? What did that, what's that I heard? Is, did the monitor stop? What was that noise? And everyone's on edge, you know, and they, they scrape and they, they fall and they scrape their knee and get a little cut and off to the hospital because we got to make sure that they're okay. Contrast that again with the second kid or the third kid who just, eh, he'll be all right. Just throw some alcohol in that. He'll be fine. You know what I'm saying? Your kid's developing some personality and um, that's coming out and showing more and more evident of who they are and they're so cute and they're so sweet. I have, a, I have an eight-year-old right now and just the way he sounds and when he says stuff, it's hard to, it's hard to be upset with him. I try, but inside I'm kind of like, man, he's so cute. How can I be upset with him? It, I still get upset with him, though, so it's not, it's not completely, it doesn't completely work anymore. But just seeing them at that age, it makes your heart smile. So if you're, if you're following me right now, you know, I'm hoping you're getting that word picture. You would do anything to protect them. Take that same kid and they go to school. First day of school. They're scared. You're nervous. What's going on in your mind? You know, are they going to make any friends? Are they going to like their teacher? Are they going to get picked on? I wonder who they're talking to. Is it good company? Will they pee their pants? Will they get picked on? Will anyone be mean to them? Are they crying and I'm not there to help them or comfort them? All day long, you're concerned, wondering, and on edge. So if you're getting that word picture, Paul is carrying the same feelings of concern with him every single day about the people in his church. Are they okay? Is everything all right? Now back to my illustration, your kid grows up, and let's say your kid moves away. The fact that they became an adult and they moved away, does that change the level of concern that you have for them? Does it change the, the love that you have for them? I don't think it does, right? No? It doesn't disappear just because you don't see them or they're not around you every single day. You're still praying that they make wise choices. You're still praying that they don't get led astray. You're praying that they're safe. You're praying that they're healthy. Am I right? Again, now I know I'm using a child and parent illustration here, but the, the same is true as it relates to the, 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 the feeling of concern that Paul had for the people in his churches. And though Paul was an apostle, he was first and most importantly a pastor. And as a pastor, he considered the daily concern of people in his congregation to be as difficult to bear as being beaten or being shipwrecked. As you might expect, this same feeling is very true of our pastors. Pastors in general, our pastors, no different. It's obvious that Pastor Rick loves each and every one of us. You all know that, right? Let me ask again. It's obvious that Pastor Rick loves each and every one of us. You all know that, right? They all know that, PR. 
They were just shy. They were caught up in what I was saying. It's like, wow, Paul really got, Paul really got shipwrecked? Yes, three times. All right. It's obvious. It's obvious. But that's what we see. We see the love. We see the hugs, the smiles, and the outpouring. We see that. But that's not all there is. That's not where it stops. Our pastor walks in us in ways that none of us even know. His concern for us is, is so, so deep and so powerful that I promise you there are times when thoughts of us, thoughts of you, thoughts of what's going on in your family situation or in your life, keep him up at night. I promise you that. He worries that you will read the latest and greatest book about how you are your own God, about how you are the universe. Speak it into the universe. Or that you'll, you'll, you'll turn on the TV and there'll be some fancy, quick-talking guy and you get pulled away. You believe the lie and you're led astray from the truth. His emotions rise and fall every time someone from the congregation goes into the hospital for a test. He grieves with those who have lost, and he rejoices with those who get a brand new beginning. Pastor Rick moves from a funeral service, which we had one yesterday, to a wedding rehearsal, which he has one coming up this week. He moves from, from a funeral service to a wedding rehearsal as a true professional. He is outwardly dignified, showing just the right amount of emotion for the occasion. But inside, he's haunted by the grief of a family and overwhelmed and excited at the same time for the young couple that's about to get married. He urges the couple towards fidelity and faith, and he shepherds the grieving family through anger and through feelings of resentment, denial, and grief. And he carries all, all of those emotions with him every day. So there's a lot more that you don't see. There's a lot more that you don't know. You've seen the illustrations of those icebergs, right? The amount that you see above the water is very small compared to all that's going on underneath the water. It's the exact same thing with Pastor Rick. In our lives, we typically are going through maybe one or two events at a time. Maybe we change jobs. Maybe we're the ones getting married. You know, maybe we attend a funeral service or we have some money problems from time to time or we might be struggling to hold on to our marriage. Or we may be trying to just really figure out how can we love a rebellious child. But Pastor Rick and Miss Deb experience each and every one of those things every day for every one of us. He is absolutely concerned for the marriage that's in trouble. He desperately wants to do his best to advise and help us get out of our financial struggles. He grieves with us over our troubled teenagers. And he rejoices with us when we find a new job. 
He experiences all of these things each day because he is so burdened for each of us. Our pain and our joy become his because he cares for us so much. So now the, ser- the sermon is, is about facing our fears, right? So recently I asked Pastor Rick, PR, what is your biggest fear as a pastor? Remember when I asked you that? Yeah. You know what his response was? The fear of failure. And when you break down the fear of failure, it really breaks down to being afraid of not accomplishing a desired goal. Being afraid of not accomplishing a desired goal. So then I said to myself, self, as a pastor, what's the goal? Reaching people for God. Winning souls to the kingdom. Feeding and nurturing the sheep. Ultimately, when it all boils down to it, what's the goal? Being effective for God's purposes. Did you hear me? It's real quiet in here. You guys with me still? Amen. So I thought about that a little bit, and I said, okay. What, what kind of things might look like failure to a pastor? they were to happen. And a few things came to mind. What if, what if people don't come back? Or what if, what if I don't have the right word for them? Or what if the church giving funds aren't there? How do we continue ministry? How do we continue with the goal of reaching people and saving people for Jesus? And I want you to know that these are real thoughts for pastors They may sound trivial, but these are anything but first world problems. These are real. And when you take up the mantle to be a pastor, you're signing up for a lot more than people on the outside realize. You know, some of it's cool. People look at you differently. People speak to you differently. If they got potty mouths, they usually don't don't bring that around you. They try to be on their best behavior around you. But most of it is not a joke. You're put in charge of leading and developing God's children. It's a big responsibility. The enemy has a bigger target on your back. And the Bible says that teachers will be judged with greater strictness. So with all that said, anyone ready to sign up? No. Oh. Got real quiet in here. The challenges are real. But, someone say but. But so is the God that we serve. So is his word. So are his promises. So is his love. So is his protection. So is his guidance. So is his spirit. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a real, active, living God. Amen? Amen. So to my brother PR and my sister Miss Deb, and anyone else under the sound of my voice today who may have the fear of failure, I want to take this opportunity to tell you 
what my pastor would say to you. My pastor would, would remind me that the Lord said, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And if I told my pastor that I was having a big challenge and that I didn't know how to face what I, you know, face something and I was scared, you know what my pastor would tell me? My pastor would tell me that the Lord's promises are yes and amen and that he said he will hold you by your right hand. And I am the Lord your God. He said, he'll, he'll tell me that the Lord said, I say this to you, do not be afraid for I am here for you. I am here to help you. Amen? We have a God who's ready and willing to help us. And he uses people like my pastor. And if I, told you my pa- if I told my pastor that I was struggling in an area and was having a hard time resisting the devil, he would encourage me by telling me that God has not given me a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Man, if you don't know my pastor, you need to meet my pastor. Because if I told him that some people had been bothering me at the workplace or in school or on the, the, the play field or even in my family, he would pray with me and he would make sure that I knew that he is on your side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's what my pastor would tell me. And if I got to the point where I felt like I'd, have, I'd, have enough, I've, I'd had enough and I was ready to throw in the towel, my pastor would tell me not to make permanent decisions for a temporary problem and to cast my cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Amen? You need to meet my pastor. If you don't know him already, I can introduce you. I got a good connection to him. The truth of the matter is that the concern for this church, this burden that he carries for its people, can very easily and understandably bring fears on. But if there's one thing my pastor taught me, that's you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when it comes to the fear of failure, my pastor will tell me God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes for them, to his purpose for them. He would say godly success is guaranteed if Jesus remains the focus. Did you hear me? In response to the fear of failure for anyone listening, my pastor would tell you that godly success is guaranteed. You can take it to the bank if Jesus remains the focus. Now, from my own experience, PR, Miss Deb, my wife Shelly, and I, we've been walking together for over 15 years. 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. But I know that I'm not the only one. I know we're not the only ones. And there's some people in this room that have been walking with Pastor Rick and Miss Deb for a lot longer, 
probably for most of their life or close to their life. I know one person sitting over here that's been walking with Pastor Rick for his entire life because it's his mom. <laughs> and she's been there supporting him every step of the way. God bless you, Miss Hazel. But it really doesn't matter how long you've known Pastor Rick. That's the truth. Because despite how long you've known him, PR means different things to different people. For some, he's my pastor. For some, he's a spiritual guide. He's a mentor. For some, he's a friend. Some, he's a father. To one, he's a husband. He may be a father figure. Definitely a role model. For some, he's a confidant. For others, he's a shoulder to cry on. He might be the phone call that you're making from jail or from the hospital. For others, he's the voice of reason or the voice of hope. At other times, he is the voice of correction that we need. Now, if you spend enough time with PR, you'll see that PR is a, has a very, very bold personality. He's a very strong-willed individual, but he's very sensitive. But PR is one person that speaks his mind when he feels like speaking his mind. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes this can ruffle some feathers. So I'd like to quote Steve Jobs, who said something so eloquently. He said, if you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader. Sell ice cream. <laughs> and there has been a time or two when a ripple has come into the relationship between myself and PR. But the stress of the fear to not fail God can certainly get the best of us, and it's understandable. And it can lead to some less than desirable situations at times. But even in those situations, what I've seen is a man who isn't perfect, doesn't claim to be perfect, but is perfectly loved by the Father. And he tries his best to reflect that every day. A man who truly, truly cares for people. And this is not just lip service. A man who truly cares for people, genuinely, genuinely loves every single one of you. A man whose yes is yes and his no is no. A good man, a strong leader, a loving husband, and a loving wife, a responsible father and mother. A man and woman I'm grateful for. A man and woman that I'm honored to call my friends and that I'm proud to call my pastors. Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Rick Thompson and Miss Deborah Thompson.
Now, I hope that you guys aren't at the point that you would rather be shipwrecked like Paul than to be here with us. But this morning, on behalf of the entire congregation, the entire LWCC family, both here with us today and watching online, on behalf of every one of us, we want to say thank you. Thank you for everything that we see, but thank you for everything that we don't see and that we have no idea about. Ladies and gentlemen, the leaders of our flock, Pastor Rick and Deborah Thompson. It was, it was many years ago, about 16 or so years ago. I could probably look up the, the exact date, but it was many, many years ago that my wife first brought me to Pastor Rick's house for a Bible study. And I, at that point, I knew who the Lord was, but I had not committed my life to him. And Pastor Rick took the time to allow me, because if anyone knows me, I'm a question asker, like to the nth degree. Pastor Rick took the time, I want to say till probably close to midnight, to allow me to ask questions and answer my questions. And really at the end of the, the, at the, end of the day, I was one of those people that said, well, I got to work some things out. Let me get rid of some stuff in my life, and then I'll make the decision to start following the Lord. And Pastor Rick said to me then, like he said so many times to every single person that he has the opportunity to, don't wait. Because you can't fix your situation. You need to step out in faith. And I'll never forget that conversation. Because at that point, Pastor Rick prayed for me and I accepted Jesus in my life close to 20 years ago in his house at the end of a Bible study that I was only going to because I started dating my wife and she brought me to a Bible study. So God can do a lot of things and God will use people, but I have seen God use Pastor Rick and Miss Deb in a way that is just mind-blowing. The faith that you guys have is is remarkable. It's a true testament to, to how good God is and a true testament to how devoted you are to his purposes and ultimately being effective for him. And just like I, many, many years ago, had that opportunity and Pastor Rick took the time with me, I would be absolutely remiss if I assumed that everyone here has already had that opportunity and everyone here has already accepted Jesus to be their personal Lord and Savior. You've heard Pastor Rick say before that God doesn't have any grandchildren. Just because your grandma or your mother are saved does not mean that you are. Just because your husband or your wife are saved does not mean that you, you are. God has no grandchildren, but God opens his opens the, his heart to, the, the, to a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And he is ready and willing to establish that with any single person who wants to. So if that's you today, 
If you feel the Lord tugging on your heart and you want to commit your life to Jesus, whether you're in this building or if you're watching us online, I want to lead you in a prayer today. And the second, the second group that I want to address is maybe those who have already committed their lives, maybe many, many years ago, maybe recently, but you know you're not where you need to be. You know there's things in your life that you need, you need to get rid of. Or you know that the focus that you have is not, not putting God first. It's my life and then whatever time is left, God, I'll give you that time. Maybe it's just the Sunday morning time that you get God. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life, recommit yourself, that's the second set of people that I also want to pray for. So I'm going to ask everyone here to close their eyes, bow their head, and if you fit into either one of those categories, in the quietness of your seat, with an audience of one, of only God watching, I want you to slip up your hand. Either a brand new, I want to establish a relationship with Jesus today, or I want to re recommit my life and get back on track with him. If that's you, just slip up your hand right where you are. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see hands going up. And you know what? God sees your hand, and God is jumping in his seat. He's jumping in his throne right now because he says, that's my child. That's my child. Is there any more? Is there any more? God will wait. This decision is the most important decision anyone can make in their life because this decision is beyond this life. This is an eternal decision. Okay, for those who raise their hands, say something like this in the quietness of your seat, as well for those watching at home. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to call you my Lord and my Savior. Father, I know that I can't do this without you. Lord, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. God, thank you for the free gift that you gave 2,000 years ago by sending your Son to pay the way for me just so that I could have the opportunity, the chance to spend eternity with you in your presence. Father, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins You'd cleanse me from the inside out. That you would make me a new creation. Lord, I pray that you would give me eyes to see, ears to hear. That you'd give me the strength, the boldness, Lord, the courage to repent from the things that I'm doing that I should not be doing, that you are not happy with. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I ask that you'd speak to me, that you would direct me. And I thank you for this awesome relationship that you allow me to have with you. I thank you, I praise you, 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.